Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, a podcast that is not going to try and pretend that we know anything about lower league football, so that's good. Um, <laughs> We've got a lower league special on um, Thursday, tonight, yeah. So, so if you're looking for lower league content, <coughs> that will do it. I believe they're going to laugh at them filming for a bit or something. I don't know. Anyway, I'm Graham Phyllis. I'm joined by Craig Allison. Hello. And Tom. Hello. Hello, everybody. Um, today we're going to go through a, a few features. Um, we'll be doing a, a, another number forty-two of the fifty most memorable Scotland matches. Um, there'll also be another patron of the 99 best Scotland players of now last decade, um, which Craig and I will have up later as well. So you can subscribe to that at patreon.com slash terrace podcast. Before we get started, we will have some hotties and notties. Who will give me a hottie? Really obvious one, but Lauren Shankland. <laughs> like, I know it's starting with the statement of the, the, of the bloody obvious, but um, yeah, another hat trick. Uh, I believe that's his, his third of the season. Um, so scored 32 league goals in his first 128 games in six seasons. Since then has 72 in 79 games. Um, I, th- have, I have a feeling that at one point last year he had scored against every team to have played in the Championship in a calendar year, including Dundee United and Ayr yeah. at different points. Um, has scored against... now. Seven of the nine teams in the league, um, and seems to be being linked to everyone. A ten million pound um, move. Yeah, yeah. Just, Crystal Palace, the latest. But the thing is, he has only twenty four. Um, <coughs> yeah, and it, and like it, it's not like you do it once, and it's like yeah, he's obviously far too good for that that division. But then you, I mean, that's it. I know he's getting silly. Shangling goes for ten million pounds, and Morelos goes for six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to take the week off. Like, I'm going to have to take the week off because I will break something. <laughs> um, I mean, it's three seasons in a row from starting from League One with him. Yeah. I think since the start of 2018, seven hat tricks. Yeah, we played two of them. He scored four in. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's ludicrous, and he's got more than a goal a game in the league for United so far. It's just ludicrous numbers he's been putting up, and it doesn't matter what level it is. Well, I mean, it matters what level it is if you're playing in the pub leagues or something. But at a, what is still a kind of professional level of football against what is a bunch of full-time football teams it's incredible and, and Sunday United have really struggled for you know to get out of that division so yes it, you know yes he is playing in the best squad with the best resources in that division but for a team that has been pretty much hoop for two seasons I think there's, there's, there's only been something like five players six players have hit 30 since the advent of the SPFL and he's well on his way to yeah, comfortably reaching that probably season. one of them is already him I don't think so. I think he's really just shot. Yeah. I think he just fell short of that. I sort of do get 
uh, a couple last season in Nisbet and Henderson Griffiths has as well Dobby has once I think there's another okay. one in there as well but um, it's n- it's Rory not an easy thing probably Rory McAllister probably but there's it's a, it's a real sort of handful of players that have done it for some uh, for an idea that it's just easy to score goals at that level well fine there's, there's any number of players that have played at that level that have yeah, absolutely failed to do it so yeah very good um, I'll give you a naughty which is darkness and Jesus the holy hell lads it's dark all the time all the time <laughs> it's dark when I wake up it's dark when I, it's dark when I leave work it's dark from like the afternoon when does the darkness stop doesn't, doesn't, I, gen- I genuinely feel like it's going to be dark every like all the time for the rest of my life and it's ju- honestly it's, it's eating me alive <laughs> I, 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 to be fair I, we, were out, I, we went out for dinner or lunch yesterday and we were walking home and it was about half four and we were celebrating the fact it was it was still not quite fully dark so we're maybe getting there but yeah it's, it's, it's horrible you, you can see why like it wasn't that long ago people in the north of Europe worshipped the sun <laughs> like, I'm, I'm thinking about 50, 60 years ago think, really. thinking about bringing it back yeah. <laughs> thinking it might be a wonderful thing to bring back because it's just miserable so that's my my naughty is just darkness it's fucking I uh, my hottie is uh, Ollie McBurney this weekend he has had what the weekend <laughs> he has had some weekend um, now independent of his of his football um, ok he scored for he scored on Friday night for Sheffield United it turned out to be the winner against um, whatever West Ham um, who, who then had a last minute goal ruled out for, for the most uh, controversial yeah. or not controversial it was the right decision by a shite rule yep. Um so he's got that winning goal, which which as in itself wasn't a very good goal. He has some sort of exchange with a porn star or a or a babe station person or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. I didn't read too much into it, but I just read the kind of It's not something you can Google on a what computer or no, something. Exactly. And then he um not not that I agree with his politics, but he, he tweeted uh, G got G S O G T God save our gracious queen, yeah. which is an unusual one. It's usually just like G S T Q or something. He's, uh, he's put a wee bit of extra effort into it. Again, not, not a bit extra grace. You, not, you do not, need to this time of year, you know, at the moment, I, when no one's beside you on. He's uh, sticking to his convictions. <laughs> and then he is... <laughs> and this one, I, I love this. And this one's the end. Uh, making what, what was described um, in a poor face as an obscene gesture. He was, he was making like, multiple wanker gestures to the Cardiff fans. And I, and I just loved it. Um, like, like club, head to toe in like Stone Island clubber like full <laughs> it was awful as well like, it was yeah, dreadful yeah, it dreadful was, gear like but if, you, stuff, if, like, if you're in if you're looking for a sort of particular look he fucking smashed it <laughs> he absolutely nailed the look it was just dreadful dreadful gear I but. like how he goes between like hipster hairdresser and like hooligan like so easily because we see him on the park he's like he looks like the boy that I get my hair cut from and it's like I don't know <laughs> Very good. Uh, I'll go hotty, uh, just a very quick one, which was the, the NFL divisional round, uh, which was a, a manic sort of eight hours worth of great entertainment. If you have any, even a passing interest in the sport, the highlights are worth uh, catching up on. If, if only to see Marshall Lynch talk about stuff like an actual adult, which was very odd as well. But anyway, moving on from that. Tom, do you have any more? Uh, naughty. Uh, I mean, it's very early on in the year, but the worst newspaper per article of the oh, yeah, year yeah. may already have been written uh, Bill Leckie's piece about uh, Alfredo Morelos which like obviously it's a tough time to be trying to generate any kind of content and clicks when there's nothing happening but you know we're oh like, he's generated the clicks already but like if you're like weeks late 
with any kind of hot take on this. Like, there's nothing happening at the moment. But it, it was so scattergun and so, like, lacking in any one focal point and, you know, like, highlighting players that had played the game the right way. Basically, the the gist of this, if, you, if we want to save you a click, is that uh, Alfredo Morales will never reach the top. He's very unlikable uh, and his kind of escapades on the park are, you know, mean that he'll he'll never reach the very top of the game um and to so the counterpoint to this is he should look at people like uh Jermaine Defoe to, to for people that have won lots of things and Alan Shearer who have won lots of things uh, and and Stephen Gerrard as manager as a who, as a level-headed well, individual who, who, who didn't assault a guy a well, not playing Stephen Gerrard got sent off after less than a minute in a game against Man United like Jermaine Defoe hasn't won Anything, anything of no, nor has Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer won the, the Premier oh, League yes, with Blackburn, yeah, 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 then went back to Newcastle yeah. and was content to see it. And you know, fair enough if you did that. But like, even if you're going to hang it on this tenuous, tenuous idea that um, there are these players who are you know big game players who have got the mentality to yeah. do it, then at least come up with better examples than like Luis Suarez who doesn't have the winning mentality if you've got like someone like Messi I think he's quite boring off the park apart from his tax dodging so like there's someone that you could pick however go to Spain the counterpoint of that Diego Costa Morelos is very much in the Diego Costa mould and there have been very few more successful strikers (laughs) in Europe in the last decade than Diego Costa or, or, was, or alternatively you look at somebody like Zlatan Ibrahimovic who's a fucking bellend who nobody likes has won everything everything, yeah. everything, yeah. That he can fe- everything he can feasibly win he's collected that medal and fucked off arguably the greatest player of all time Diego Maradona was a prick on the pitch like yeah. went out like he got the shit kicked out of him so went back and kicked the shit out of the people <laughs> that, who did that, it that, like, that, that, uh, the Spanish Cup yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's just like I mean it has it is come from a racist point of view I'm quite happy to, uh, to put those words in my mouth Um most people, and, and this comes back to the um, the boy from the Athletic, um, so I would call it the Atlantic, but it is the Athletic, mm-hmm. um, wrote a thing and he, he, he got ratioed and had to lock his account, which was a really successful weekend for, for you, Jordan, <laughs> um, to probably listening, hi there, um, because he said, he said, because there was accusations of racism and I never, I just completely blocked the whole fucking thing out because it was tedious, which was going to be a minority, so we'll, we'll link the two together. Rangers sure. and Celtic, both of them can fuck off. Um, <laughs> the, there was all that stuff. I never watched any of these videos and I, I assume there was some racist stuff. I presume so as well. You can see them all around the grounds, people shouting at him, people being angry at him when he celebrates goals. And although they don't say it, these people are jet are definitely you know what they're thinking and it was implying like the people who are angry at Alfredo Morelos for things like being a shit scoring goals against your team celebrating in front of you are doing it for racist reasons which I thought was completely wrong and out of order however that is not to say that he hasn't suffered racism yeah which yeah, he had yeah. and it's not been the sort of overt racism that you maybe saw 20 years ago it's been from folk like, like Bill Lecky, um Keith Jackson and the sort like it's not been that kind of overt stuff, but it's been it's, it's been, kind of been, nudges been, and winks there's to there's been, been an undercurrent for some yeah, time yeah. about Alfredo Morales, yeah. which is disgraceful. Yeah, it's not, yeah. and he's and he's he, he probably I think he's the best player in the country at the moment, and 
he leaves soon and they're not the other thing that annoys me is you'll get these like self-righteous Rangers fans who'll be like oh he was driven out of the country and he's like no he wasn't yeah. driven out of the country yeah. he was always going to leave Alfredo Morelos I can tell you right now does not give the slightest fuck what Bill Wicke thinks of him it makes no, it makes no yeah. imprint in his life so let's not say he was driven out either he will leave for very good money for Rangers he'll he will leave for, for, he will leave to make loads of money somewhere <laughs> he's like a Almost in the region of what Shanklin might go for. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, my favourite line in the whole thing was: "It's as many of them as ever an average fan hates about a, a certain type of modern player. The cynicism, the deviousness, and the absence—the absence of joy." Bill, you don't know me. At all. <laughs> you know <laughs> like, nothing of this. Bill, it's like that idea of like, the Corinthian spirit of the sixties um, when essentially football existed. The, the entire sport existed of kick the one talented player in the opposing team and then just. Like punt the ball for the rest of the game. That was essentially what football was in that era. But we felt like Scotland has a fairly long-standing tradition of some excellent shit-housing footballers. We're we're sorely missing some shit-housing footballers at, at, at the moment. I, just the idea that because I, I don't know, he's a he's a very easy target. He doesn't make it doesn't make life easy for himself and everything. But it is frustrating on both sides that yes, he does suffer suffer racism, but on the other side. Articles like this give us ammunition because they are so heavily skewed. Like they're, you know, you don't have to look that far back. And some of the players that he cites, uh, the whole thing was just a fucking mess. Get in the bin. Anyway, <laughs> right. So following on from the Queen, uh, her grandson <laughs> and her and, and his, his new wife, uh, Meghan Markle, Glenn Whelan, John Daly, and Christoph Berra from Hearts. And me and my ex-girlfriend, some breakups are just fucking brilliant to watch. <laughs> so we thought we'd take the opportunity to talk through some of the best breakups that we've seen in Scottish football. Does somebody want to start us on a really good breakup? I mean, the the, the classic of recent times has to surely be Brendan Rodgers and Celtic. That's I mean, it's a very obvious one, but it it's just oh, it's so deep. It's like you know, he he's, he's taken the keys to the car. He's like taking the pet family pet and for like the, you know the Celtic Twitter account will no, still t- wish he only went to uh, Arsenal mate. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Celtic Twitter account wish like Ronnie Dyla good luck in his new job and still wish like fucking Enrico Anoni happy birthday <laughs> you know there's this idea that you know once a once a, once a Celtic, Celtic family. family yeah always a Celtic but for a guy that won seven consecutive trophies and subsequently has gone on to great success and uh, you know everyone's kind of seen that well, that was a justifiable well, my, my decision my is that Leicester will finish outside the top four I hope not because I've got a decent a bet on <laughs> but um, yeah it, it still obviously cuts really deep and considering there's not really been a noticeable difference in the state of things since he's left um, for, for Celtic it's kind of been business as usual you could even argue they've probably gone further in Europe than they might have uh, I, certainly the, the, than he did um, then it was good for uh, good for everyone all around, but it's just oh, it's that one that stings. That one still it's, stings. The, the the progression in Europe, I think, is quite an interesting one. In that, it's almost like the relationship ended, and I'm definitely thriving, thriving, I'm thriving, and I've not checked and on their social media pages every day at about 4.25 <laughs> every single day for the past six months. I'm thriving though, absolutely thriving. It was a fact as well, like throughout the whole time he was here like fans of every other team in Scotland and we, we did it quite a lot we're like calling Brendan Rodgers out as a very very obvious bullshitter in pretty much everything that he did 
Celtic fans were defending him, and you can kind of see that from like relationships of like people I've known, and you're like, you're like, no, sure she's, uh, you know, you're like maybe pointing out these wee things. You're not trying, you're trying to get your friends, you're trying to be polite, so you're like, and then and then they kind of defend them, and they're like, okay, none of my business. And then all of a sudden they leave, and you're like, oh. Right, so I was right all along, and they start like giving you all exactly the same part that you were having. And <laughs> um, that's kind of like what it was like. Oh, the Clyde Tunnel thing suddenly became funny for them. They were like, "Oh yeah, of course it happened." Oh, <laughs> of course, he was a lifelong Celtic fan, even though he's like mumbling along with the words of these songs. Uh, the Billy story the, as well. Yeah, that and all that coming out is just. Aye, it's a it's a good shout. Everyone else saw it coming except them. Uh, I will go for Andy Webster as a sort of long-term, ongoing, still quite bitter breakup, mm. Andy Webster obviously bailed out on Hearts uh, and was named, gave himself a, a named ruling yeah. through the Webster ruling by bailing out on Hearts, going to Wigan because he cancelled his contract and then heading for Rangers, which I think everyone had assumed that was his intended destination in the first place, which then went absolutely dreadfully. Um, and, and, Barely played for Rangers, and yet in his time, while still as a Rangers player, managed to win uh, another Scottish Cup um, on his way to uh, well at Dundee United, and then somehow ended up back at Hearts. And my abiding memory of Andy Webster was being at a, a Dundee United Hearts game when he was a United player, and about five minutes into the match, the Hearts fans unveiled a banner with a hangman on it, which said, <laughs> "We hope you rot in pieces, Andy Webster." <laughs> Which I've looked a few times to see if I could find any photos of it or any, but I can only rely on my own eyes. Um, but it was up in the heart's end for roughly about 25 seconds. I've never seen Stewards move faster um, to go and grab a banner and pull it down. Um, and then won Scottish Cup with them. And then, as I said, he went back to win as, after leaving Dundee United and winning a Scottish Cup with them, went back to Hearts to win his second Scottish Cup with Hearts, even though I don't think he really counts the first one because um, he was dropped for the final after falling out with Romanov. Um, yeah, all in all, a very, very odd episode. Who I think the the biggest losers in all of it in the end, I think, might have been our Bro Football Club, as they had a sell on when he left them to go to Hearts, which I don't know whether they ever got any money from at all from that as well. So. Far from the only small business that Hearts have not paid their dues to. Um, um, so my choice is uh, Jordan Jones and Kilmarnock um, <laughs> had you know, all the all the kind of you know the, the great relationship when when she's just new and he, um, arrives at the club and you're like don't know her he's kind of getting the feel of it and yeah no do like this one do like this one starting to get better and better and you start to feel the kind of enjoyment of the relationship kind of constantly improving you're starting to really love what's going on and then you start to get the murmurings of everything's not quite right here Um you start to kind of get the um, yeah that sense that maybe this isn't going to last much longer, but you're hoping maybe um, you know she'll disappear quite far away. Um, <laughs> but then, then instead you find out she's uh, you know they've been cheating on you with someone quite close, um, which is obviously when he um, you know you're, you're hoping he disappears to England or whatever. He, he instead uh, pops up with his we are the people tweet while still a commandment player and you're like okay that that's essentially cheating that's the kind of the equivalent but then you kind of have that last little hurrah of like um, maybe I can forgive them when he scores the winner um, against Rangers but then eventually you're like no sneak after all um, 
not bitter about it anyway, that's that's um, that's one for me. The 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 like Bosman has opened up like an entire new history. That just opened an entire new era of possibilities for bitterness for like either for players that you know disappear off to, to, to rivals or like young players who disappear down south and there's an irrational like there's a rational hatred of them even when they did quite well like there are still a lot of Aberdeen fans who are very very angry at Fraser Fivey going to Wigan at like who won the FA Cup you know paid him enough money that he can you know won around at 26 he's, uh, he's, at essentially, he's essentially and now just like a professional on the Scottish Cup as well he's a professional TikTok guy yeah well Weirdly, his, his Twitter has hashtag uh, blockchain as well, so yeah. I'm, I, I'm assuming there's he's got enough money to invest in other things. I just hope that was a bit from him. <laughs> no, there was a video of him um, doing yeah. a, a Chinese New Year song on TikTok, and I must have watched it. I think it's had like 200,000 views, and I reckon about 70,000 of them are just me watching it going, this is brilliant, <laughs> really enjoyed this, really happy about this, really, really enjoyed the Fraser 5 year with this. Uh, yeah, that was a real, a real chippiness on that. Uh, speaking of chippiness, um, I've got a, an ongoing um, if my pal asked you out, would you say yes approach, um, which is Celtic and John McGinn, um, <laughs> which just went on forever. Just like, would, would you, similar to David Turnbull as well, which is also on my list, but just if my pal asked you out, would you, would you say yes? Would you say yes? Would you say, maybe, maybe, maybe not. And then immediately, as soon as he's going, no, nah, to be honest, I've got no real interest in this. Oh, you can need tits anyway. <laughs> Tight anyway. Don't need them. And it still continues to this day of people pretending that John McGinn wouldn't have been the best signing that Celtic oh, have made in like a decade. Oh, well, to be fair, um, I have been, for, for my own obvious reasons, uh, searching Yusuf Malumba's name on Twitter. Like, <laughs> see, see, what, see what he's up to these days. Um, and... There's been a bunch of Celtic fans like tweeting um, the, the frequency of them increased after the, the Old Firm game before Christmas that Brendan Rodgers wanted McGinn and they could give him the Lumbu and that was um, you know part of the reason why he left and so there are some Celtic fans who are not kind of um, although then there have been folk in the replies that McGinn was that good anyway. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, also Yusuf Malumba appeared to be um, if you go onto his Twitter account he appeared to be tweeting to like some filmmaker about they was making a film about Palestine or something and it was all a bit weird and I feel like there was some scam involved and I was slightly confused about it all I didn't investigate any further I'm just uh, yes you did he's, he's also, <laughs> yes you did also his Twitter account is still him um, wearing a Celtic strip which I think is a bit odd so I'm not convinced he's in control of it <laughs> There we go. Anyway. Your weekly update on the fear of Talking of breakup situations. Uh, I mean, if you want this in a, in a relationship parable, the the sort of um, Italian beauty that comes to Scotland and, you know, there, there's sparks fly. Is David Grassi? No, God. <laughs> yeah, turns up at your door in a mask. <laughs> this is a different story. It's an entirely different story. You know, like sparks fly initially and everything's going really, really well. And then, you know, it's not going quite so well. There's a bit of a dispute about who who's going to stay where. And then ends up you're, you start staying in, in, in other houses and it ultimately breaks down. And then she may or may not headbutt you outside Dens Park. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Patricio Bilio. Uh, who just like such a weird... I, I was reading about it again... To, to, today because uh, I just 
it's such it's, an it's a odd. Weekly, it's a weekly thing. It's, I mean, I do occasionally. I'm reminded of it, and there's it's one of the most annoying games. I'll come on to this in a minute. One of the most annoying games I've ever been at. But um, anyway, like Patricia Bello, I think it's probably a bit of a stretch to call him a cult hero because he at Dundee because he didn't play that often, but came in at a time when a whole bunch of like exciting foreigners were, were, were coming in. He had played in Syria. He had played for, for Crystal Palace down south. Um, so there's a played at a decent standard and wasn't half bad. Like could 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 play a bit. Um got into a bit of a contract dispute at uh, uh, um at Dens, was sent to train with the reserves, uh was fined for not turning up for training and then I guess legally by the courts of the land was in no way headbutted by a director outside Dens Park, according to the the courts, which is obviously what definitely happened. The, so, like, just how quickly that that, that entire thing degraded. Um, but signed for Aberdeen, and I'm, like very shortly after uh, he left, he signed for Aberdeen, and Aberdeen played Dundee, and he was on the bench, and it was like, yep. Yeah, Brilliant. This is like he he all the talk had been he you know he needed to pay back Bonetti. Uh, oh no, it must have been shortly after Bonetti had left, but he needed to pay back the uh, Dundee for everything that had happened to him there. And uh, at nil nil, Scottsdale's got him on the bench, and Aberdeen murdered Dundee. Julian Speroni has an unbelievable good game, unbelievably good game. Like saves like three or four unbelievable saves. Sixty minutes into the game, like. Billy has got to come on. He's got to come on. Like Nicholas Fabiano was having a pretty rough game in the centre of the park. It wasn't a vintage year, um, <laughs> and Billy O starts like warming up, and you could see that he was totally psyched. He was really pumped to get on the pitch, and Scovdal didn't bring him on. Mm. Just kept sending him on to warm up in front of the home fans, and we drew that game nil nil. And I've, I mean, I've never been so sure that a, a pretty average player who played you know, nine games or something like that, would score a goal. Uh, but I was convinced yeah. about that game and it didn't You're happen. Deprived of the chance. Um, I'll go for uh, Derek McInnes and midfields, <laughs> um, which seem to have broken up quite a long time ago. Um, he now regularly picks teams with like five defenders and five forwards <laughs> in them. It makes no sense to me. Uh, and they're fourth in the league still. So who's laughing now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, does that round off again anymore? Uh, I was going to just briefly do the uh, Partick Thistle and the sort of the the culling of the cult hero. Yeah, that was, um, that, that's a, that's a painful one. Which is just a, a brutal a brutal way of doing it. Um, the 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 cult heroes who were who have kind of been pushed out over the last few years, Chris Doolin, and that they've obviously admitted culpability there and said it was was badly handled. But you know. It, Definitely was. Um, so sending sending Chris Dillon up to Garscape to train with the reserves because they, oh, they, they've only got nine and they need ten on you go, Chris. Like, that's it's disgraceful. Club legend. And he probably what he'd do is he'd kidnap the SES. Look, is this a test? Bullet reinforced windows in but yeah, I mean, a bit, a bit like Chris Erskine. Similarly, obviously, not not quite as much of a club legend, but a very useful player who's fallen upwards. Um, was, was likewise training with well, the reserves. Both of them have fallen upwards because Dylan's playing several so, yeah. ones above them at the moment as well. Uh, well, that that does seem to be a recurring theme. I mean, like Stevie Lawless as well, freed a couple of seasons ago. Uh, admittedly, when they went down, but there there does seem to be a recurring theme of. Part of this all falling out and culling players who are far too good. So it's, 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 
the, the, the equivalent of somebody who continually dumps people who then go on to have much a better really, lives with a them. really big fat obnoxious <laughs> horrendous it's essentially Newman out of sign yes. who keeps dating attractive women dumping them and then yeah. excellent excellent <laughs> Um, so that was uh, that was that was a bunch of that was cathartic for all of us. I feel. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to the the next on the the, the fifty most memorable Scotland matches. Um, this was actually a kind of a double really, um, which is number forty two on the list, I believe, which is from December nineteen eighty five, or sorry, November and December nineteen eighty five, which is Scotland to Australia now, uh, an inter confederation playoff. That's a confusing. Yeah. Um... So Scotland had to, because Scotland were the only, in the only group of four in the qualifying group, and we finished second behind Spain, um, <clears throat> we had to draw with Wales in the final qualifying game, and that was the game, I think it's possible on this list. It is, yeah. Where, uh, where the, um, the Jockstein died on the on the touchline um, towards the end of the game after we'd, we'd scored the penalty to equalise um, to send us to this playoff. Um, it was obviously quite tragic in itself. Um and it was weird actually I was looking so I was looking at news reports um, and the Glasgow Herald from the next day on the front page had about a half page at the top headline saying manager Steen dies at, um, at, on touchline and the match report on the back was still a football match report where the first line was just like something like Scotland said it sealed their place however the death of uh, Jock Steen um, obviously dampened celebrations then went on to give a full match report <laughs> So I'm like, it's, it's obviously how times have changed and how people, because mm. we're, we're now about as close to World War Two as we were to to that game, not quite, but we're not far off that, how people's like perspective on yeah. death yeah. has changed. And now it's like, imagine if that happened now, it would be like yeah. pages and yeah. pages for days and days and they wouldn't even re- print a match report and it would be like, oh, it's, it's, it's just, like a footnote on the... Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Like, by the way, Scotland got them one. But that, but that was decided, and because we were in a group of four, and we finished behind Spain, we actually had to wait for Spain to beat Iceland at home to be sure that we were <laughs> we would win the group. Spain went were one 0 down at half time, but but did win two one, so we finished second and had to play the winners of the um, weird group that was the Oceania group, except yes. that the teams in it were Australia, New Zealand, Chinese Taipei, which is Taiwan, yeah. and um, well, the, blo- the bots will be blocking us for saying that, but nonetheless, and Israel. I thought it was getting blocked. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, because um, obviously nobody wanted to play either Chinese Taipei or Israel, with them being kind of international pariahs. Um, do you want to know the best thing that happened? Not maybe not the best thing, but the the most incredible thing that happened in that group. So, as you say, Australia played Israel, um, and when Australia played Israel in Melbourne, which national anthem do you think they played for the Israeli team? Palestine. <laughs> no, no, West Germany. <laughs> no way. What? Yeah. 100% they, they, so the footage, you've, the footage for that is available on YouTube so Australia are playing Israel um, in Melbourne and mistakenly apparently uh, the Australians played the West German national anthem for the Israeli national team now, now I have another, now I have some other piece of information here that might make that seem somewhat less accidental now I, I, I still want to give them the benefit of the doubt um, Australia has a reputation as being something of a bit of a racist country. 
which I think is unfair. Um, and it's, it's, it's not like they played a few bars from it and stopped. Well, they probably the didn't know, right, to be fair. They, 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 they played the whole thing. They played it start to finish the West German national anthem. Um, <laughs> I, right, so I, I give the benefit that I lived there for, for a while and, and certainly the cities are not racist places, are very multicultural and all that. Where they like that then, I don't know. So, I mean, and it would be a horrific thing to do, so maybe it wasn't deliberate. However, I did also have information from that same game. Um, or around about that game which is that before they were playing this was a big game for Australia like they had to beat Israel I think Israel were the, probably the favourites for that qualifying group and before they played Israel like they had a reputation for being hard men the Australia team and being physical they arranged an open training game against each other where it was all stage managed to be especially physical and they let the, they let, like, the media and all that in to watch it where they basically kicked seven shades of shit out of each other to intimidate the Israeli players. And it says on the... Um, it says this from the Herald from around about the time of this, and it said that the Israelis changed their kind of silky style and got bogged down in the Australian kind of game and therefore were allowed to... So I think they were using every dirty trick up until this, although, as we'll find out, they did not use, I think, their dirtiest trick they had available to them come the um, come the Scotland-Australia game. This is... Like this is thirty five years ago. Yeah. It's not. No, it's not that long ago, and it sounds like this is like sort of Dickensian. Australia <laughs> beat. Um, Australia beat Scotland. Sorry, Australia beat um, New Zealand in the game to qualify, which which sent them through about ten days before they had yeah. to play in a playoff mm. in Glasgow. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Our, our qualifying campaign was done in what was it March nineteen eighty five. And we didn't know who we were playing right up until like a week before. The tickets just had no team versus yeah. Scotland, so it was just a case of you, you you were buying tickets. There was going to be a playoff on this date. Yeah. You were buying tickets for this, but right up until the, the very last minute, it wasn't sure whether it was going to be Israel or uh, Australia. I sort of a timely note, Scotland called off, um, the Scottish Premier League called off two rounds of fixtures because... Unlike now, where it's quite easy to get to Australia, the players literally had like a... like The time, the time of journey to get to Australia, they had to leave... About, they left about a week, a week and a bit before mm. the game um, to get there to obviously give them time to acclimatise. There, there was still quite a short turnaround because yeah, I think the, the game was on the 4th. Yeah. There, was there was another league game on the 10th of yeah. December, six days later. Because um, in Dundee United had to play a European game where the players basically had to, I think, basically go from that game straight to So that was interesting. But the, the first leg to, to start thing, I mean, maybe you've got the... the Date? Have you got any information about the date or anything? No, I don't. No. It's in November. I didn't do it. It's the twentieth of November. It's yeah. in the day, but Scotland um, were overwhelming favourites. Still, again, that's a very good Scotland squad against Australia, and arguably the best Scotland. Yeah, squad looking at this team, it's, I mean, also also from watching the highlights, Scotland were an immediate advantage as the Australian centre half was taking the goal kicks, which immediately I was like, <laughs> if, if we'd lost this game, I fucking <laughs> just shut us down. But, but what I found, I mean, they were talked about Australia being physical, and they got um, a boy booked inside about three minutes for absolutely melting Gordon Strachan. Yeah. I would be a red card today. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean that was football those days and it was probably a sign of things to come for striking from the World Cup that he did qualify when the Uruguay did the same to him um, Graham Sunnis Graham Sunnis let's remember called the Australians a bunch of street fighters <laughs> Graham Sunnis this is before we played them so he'd obviously watch football, whatever it was Wise Scout uh, yeah, the Wise Scout of the day which are in videos um, it did say that the Australian manager wasn't at the post-match celebrations from when they beat New Zealand to qualify for the playoff because he was in his office watching videos of Scotland v Wales he was also known as Mad Dog I, think, yeah. I believe yeah 
Uh, he appears to have been a character. <laughs> so Scotland, Scotland are sell out at Hamden for this game. I think it was on a Wednesday night or something like that. Uh, in goal, Jim Leighton. Uh, back for Steve Nicholl at right back. Um, McLeish and Miller, centre half pairing. Morris Malpass at left back. Uh, midfield with Strachan, Roy Aitken, Graham Souness and Davy Cooper. Up front, Kenny Dalgleish and making his debut for Scotland, Frank McAvenny. Um, and With an astonishing haircut. Yeah, oh, the hair yeah. Um, it's iconic, the uh, peak Mac of it. And Scotland had been managed by Alec Ferguson because he had been Jockstein's assistant and um, took over and did, did so in the World Cup as well. Um, it's a spoiler, I suppose. But um, <laughs> And Scotland were frustrated for the whole first half. Um, didn't, didn't score that. Had chances. Australia were just kicking fuck out of us and doing yeah. nothing else. Um, and it kind of started, I think there was a frustration. It did seem like there was booing going off at half-time. Whether yeah. that was for Scotland, for Australia, for the referees, for whatever, I don't know. But there was booing. It missed a couple of good chances, but nothing kind of too clear-cut. And so it did seem frustrating. But then Australia kind of kicking fuck out of his kind of eventually backfired because he gave us a free kick on the edge of the box. David Cooper absolutely melts yeah. in the bottom yeah. corner. But even, the, even the, like the, looking at the footage again, and it is like this sort of rugby league wall you know, there's it's this disorganised wall of what looks like eight players and all eleven players in the box. Not even yeah. like someone hanging up, like just all sort of. There's a huge wall that's, that's disorganised, and still David Cooper managed to absolutely leather it into the opposite bottom and corner. Australia were part time, so it was like yeah. a, like amateur footballers and stuff like that. Most of them, I think the um, striker Mitchell had just left Rangers, yep. went on to play in the Bundesliga, and, and went back to and played for Chelsea after that. He's, he's viewed as a sort of uh, Australian football pioneer because he was one of the first guys to leave and go and play in other other bits of the world, really. Um, and then not long after that, um, Frank McAvenny on his debut scored um, a second nice goal. goal. It was a nice, nice goal. goal. Yeah. Um, he kind of got the kind of long chipped ball. He got nodded into his path. He kind of nice touch, and then he kind of the keeper rushes out and yeah. lobs it yeah. over him. And it was really nice. It's a really nice. Play. I think it's Kenny Douglas that flicks it on. Yeah, and it's yeah. a really nice. Like if it was, if he did that with his feet. It was just like just too far for the defender to get into, and just in Frank McAvenny's stride, he does it the head. It was great. I always enjoy watching old Scotland footage that has Dalglish in it because you watch you watch a bunch of them and you can see like Sunis and Strachan are all very very good players, but they do feel a little bit of that era. Yeah. Whereas you look at Dalglish and go, you'd do a job now, yeah. fine. Mm. You you would still be an absolutely tremendous footballer now um, at any level. Would you'd be absolutely fine. Frank McAvenny after that goal, I think it was on a commentary, was being compared to Dennis Law. Um, he did not score another goal for Scotland. Um, but it was an important one. Because um, um, then we missed a sitter. McAvenny again, I think, missed an absolute yeah. sitter to make it 3 0. Uh, cross come in from the left, and he just uh, about six yards out and, and could put it in. Um, Graham Sharp come on for Kenny Dalgleish. Jim Beck come on for Jordan, yeah, Gordon Strachan. We saw it out for a 2 0 win. And I think, I mean, Scotland are fairly comfortable with that, having to go out to Australia. The Australian manager um, kind of admitted Scotland had been valued for the results, but he was kind of bullish about it. And he um, actually said in a post-match interview to warn Scotland they'd have to bring their sunscreen. And was, he, I think he'd intended to, they wanted the game played in like the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, as yeah. Well, yeah. he wanted it in, in, in Darwin on a Darwin paddock as well. Like, someone said that he said it from him. They wanted it basically in the most inhospitable conditions possible. Yeah. And it's a very sore note in Australia still to this day. I had a boss that I worked with um, over there and he was furious about the fact that the Australian FA sold, essentially sold them down the river and played it in Melbourne on a, um, eight, 8 o'clock at night 
um, Melbourne can be the most temperate city in um, or Melbourne or Sydney, both kind of not nearly so hot. And at that time, partly to suit Scottish TV mm. viewers because we would buy the rights and stuff. Because yeah. um, that was like nine in the morning in Scotland rather than it would have been much earlier. But they think, you know, if they brought us to like some roasting hot place on a shite pitch um, in the middle of the day, we, we may Little have... do they know that's where we play most of our food. <laughs> yeah, the shite pitch, yeah. Um, but yeah, he seemed like a character, that manager. But yeah, it's a genuine sore point for Australians this game. Like, Good. Um, Good, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> then um, there, was, um, there was some nonsense around the second leg. Um, Kenny, Kenny Douglas, I don't know if you, you looked into this story, Kenny Douglas did not travel to the second why leg. Why did he not travel? Because if you, if you look at the footage, the highlights that are available for the second leg are him sitting in a studio talking yes. about it. But I couldn't find out why Douglas so wasn't Why do you it? think Kenny Douglas might not have travelled? Can Shagging? you give me, No, no. Um... Rights issues. No, no, no. Kenny Dalglish was at the same time the Liverpool manager, <laughs> and they had a game. <laughs> and basically, the SFA Alec Ferguson said, Fuck. <laughs> Alec Ferguson said, Liverpool have been very good to us with um, letting us have Kenny and, and release him because clubs didn't have to release yeah. their players at this point, it was a very different time. Um, and Liverpool had a game like two days after, and he had he, it was his job, and they said we're quite confident we can get through it without him. Um, that was uh, that would have been Kenny Douglas's hundredth cap for Scotland. He went on to get it in a friendly at Hamden. He did then miss the World Cup through injury. Um, but just it's just ludicrous to think that only what thirty five years ago we had a Scotland Scotland best striker. <laughs> Missing again because he's the manager of one of the biggest clubs in the world. It, it, it doesn't make sense. What I really enjoyed most about the second leg was how it genuinely looks like if he stepped forward in time in the space yeah. of about a fortnight, just because it's played in, in like bright lights. Yeah. So the footage from Hamden all looks as if it was filmed on like a potato, whereas the footage from Australia all just looks incredible because it's bright and it's light and people look like. Happy more than anything else. Um, that's the that's sun, a, that's that sun thing you're talking about again. Bring it all back around. It's the difference yeah. in attitude between the two countries. It's genuinely like when I live here and people say, How are you doing in the morning? You're like, Yeah, fine. Over there, if you went, Yeah, fine, they would be like, Of course, everything's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> After like, oh, great, magic, brilliant. Yeah. I, like, I became such a positive person very briefly. Um, Second leg, we see Richard Goff uh, coming for Stephen Nichol, uh, Paul McStay in for Gordon Strachan, and David Speedy in for Kenny Dalglish. And like the reason we go through is Jim Layton, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Jim Layton is incredible, which is again I know well, I presume the guys will come out to whenever the, the, the Scotland Wales games come up comes up. And I think we talked about this before and we're talking I can't remember why we're talking about Jim Layton, but we're talking about Jim Layton. And he came off at half time in the Scotland Wales game after he missed a cross and had to do a sort of point blank save because he'd lost the contact lines. Mm, and yeah. Jockstein was absolutely furious because he had no idea that Leighton wore contact lenses and, and neither did Alex Ferguson yeah at that was, point who was his club manager and had been <laughs> for six years totally <laughs> oblivious to the fact that um, Jim Leighton wore contact lenses and it was Alan Roth came on the second half there as well um, <laughs> yeah, and held through teeth um, but the fact that Leighton was restored to the starting lineup for the for the, the playoff games in the end feels is a very very big deal because some of the saves he makes in the Australia game as, as well as that, more than anything else, when you talk about how football's changed and football's changed enormously, the, the main difference between football in this game and modern football is number one, you can't kill people anymore. 
And number two, you can't shoot from about 45 yards with absolute cannon mm. shots anymore, yeah. um, which Leighton was just batting away at all different angles as well. Um, I also enjoyed that it looked very much like they were essentially just sitting on a park bench mm. rather than a dugout. Every, every time it cuts to the sideline, it's just a bunch of guys in tracksuits sitting on a bench. But that's a, there's a few grounds at Lannister because it doesn't it, it doesn't well. Or might have helped it in this in the sun. I had to move to I went to gaming Central Coast. And I had to move to the other stand because I was worried I was going to get sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> that does not happen in Scotland. Um, I didn't have much on the second leg. Um, really, I watched it once. I bought a, I bought a DVD once with a guy selling like DVDs of old football games, and I bought a DVD of this for like, as a part of a lot of them. Um, and I remember it being yeah, Scotland back to the wall, but ultimately yeah, it superior yeah, quality really, to Australia. Really which is, yeah. I, I really enjoyed uh, Ferguson's comments after the match, which is, I mean, bearing in mind Scotland have just qualified for the World Cup, uh, they asked Ferguson, they've got a live video link with um, Dougie Donnelly and uh, Kenny Dalglish, as I said, sitting in the studio talking to Alex Ferguson on the other side of the world. Alec, how do you feel about that? And he's like, I'm really disappointed. Three days after the Cup Winners' Cup final when he slays yeah. the Aberdeen team for winning for the winning Scottish the Cup. Cup. Um, but this is, I mean, this is one of a number to bring out a kind of Australian perspective. It's kind of, it's a sore point for them and it, it was one of a number of playoff failures that they had. They qualified in 78, um, which was up until very recently their only World Cup. Then in 82, they lost a big game to New Zealand, which um, the, the New Zealand ended up playing us at that yeah. World Cup. Mm-hmm. They had this one with us. I can't remember what happened in 1990, but I don't think they got near it. Um, 94, they lost to a Maradona-inspired Argentina in a playoff, um, very narrowly. 98, Terry Venables took them. Um, they, they were 2-0 up against Iran, yeah. and then yeah. they conceded two goals late on. Um, and then 2002 they lost to Uruguay and then there's an amazing documentary on YouTube of 2006 when they finally did it and they beat Uruguay on penalties yeah. um, and, and the MCG I think it was in Melbourne and then um, it goes to penalties and John Aloisi battles in because they were ahead in penalties Mark Viduca misses one then Mark Schwarzer pulls off an incredible save from Zalayeta and then John Aloisi battles one and then the, the documentary of it's amazing but every time I watch it I'm like it just makes me like yearn for that day that Scotland do the same thing. <laughs> actually there was some really nice quotes from a guy called Jim Patikas who played in the second yeah. leg and weirdly was coached by Ferguson at Aberdeen okay. um, and he was saying you have to remember some of the Scotland team had big stars like Kenny Dalglish Graham Alex McLeish and Ferguson's manager some of the soccer who's were born in Scotland and England uh, and we've treated those guys like idols and I would have been scared shitless of them because they'd spent they'd seen them so many times on television we could have done some damage for sure if we attacked more but I'm sure Frank Arrow knew, knew if we'd played open, openly we would have risked getting smashed looking back having started in both legs we could have shown a bit more enterprise but in hindsight it's a, but hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't it it was nice to bump into Ferguson after six years. He gave me a hug and asked me how I was going. Oh. And like every bit of that story, like, that all makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know that Ferguson remembered every single player he ever kind of saw. Yeah. yeah. And um, again, Pack as well said that he was he was in the under-20s and we trained with the first, we trained with the first team. Uh, Archie Knox was his coach and he was the assistant to he was Ferguson's assistant. That's how I landed away life as a footballer. I played with Gordon Strachan, Alex McLeish, Eric Black and Scottish captain Willie Miller. All those boys I spent time with him. Um, he kind of admits that he, he just didn't know how to be an adult and mm. be a professional footballer there um, spent a lot of time partying and drinking and fucking about really rather than being a footballer um, yeah it was this was a lot of fun to watch actually because I didn't really know an awful lot about it and it also sent me down um, a hole looking at um, other inter-confederation playoffs oh, yeah. In, yeah. involving UEFA, UEFA teams which always seem totally magical yeah, Ireland v Iran one as yeah. well yeah. so you got Wales-Israel from 1958 Wales won 
Spain against Morocco from 1962, which made me great laugh. Um, <laughs> Yugoslavia against South Korea from 1962. Um, Hungary pumped Bolivia in 1978, which it was like 9-2, which seems utterly surreal. Uh, Scotland, Australia in 1986. I- Ireland, Iran in 2002, which is crackers as well. But the, my favourite is the Soviet Union versus Chile oh, yes. yeah. in 1974, <laughs> which didn't actually happen. So they played the first leg in the Soviet Union. And then the Soviet Union refused to travel to Chile because Pinochet had just taken over and the stadium that they wanted to play the game in was where Pinochet had been executing people. Um, so they were... Can... Re- sorry. No, no, go. Can you guess which um, uh, UEFA international country went on a tour of Chile about three years later? Was it England? No, it wasn't England. <laughs> was it us? It was Scotland. Yes. Um, Excellent. Excellent, uh, but no, that that's good. That's like, yeah. But those uh, the Australian ones are, are incredible to watch back. And there's a guy Johnny Warren who was like the king of Australia. Like he was a former player. He played in the, the seventy eight team, and he's like the kind of dawn of Australian football, really beloved. And he like that Iran game. They go back to him in the studio, and he's like genuinely in tears. The guy, and he's like a big hard man guy, and he's like so upset about it. And then he was kind of campaigning for him to move to um, Asia, and then he died just before he had cancer. And he died just before they beat. Um, Uruguay, so that kind of mm. documentary yeah. was centered around the guy, but he had his thing of like, I told you so, that was his like, saying, <laughs> and then so, so when they were like in the 2006 World Cup, he said, he said before it, he said, when Australia becomes like a force in world football, I'm going to be there to say, I told you so. And so it's like the, the, the thing of the Australian team, and so they keep, they keep kind of saying, because they've qualified for everyone since yeah. then. Um, which, which yeah, from, from that perspective, he, he's a guy that. Um, There's a really good Copa 90 with uh, Ellie Mangum as well, because he's. Obviously, mass- he, he, yeah. he, I think he loves the Australian national team more than anything else in the first place, um, and he's, he goes through all the, the all the playoff misses and stuff like yeah. that as well. And you see it genuinely like hurts him just to talk about it. It's, it's such a horrible way. Like, see, our way of qualifying where we are in a group, right? And it doesn't all normally build up to like one big game, but yeah. their qualification basically built up to one big game every four years, and that must be so. You're playing shite, shite, yeah. shite, shite, beating teams thirty-one nil. Mark Bosnich scoring penalties <laughs> in your qualifiers and then you turn up and you've got to raise your level to play against good teams and it's like how do you possibly do that and so yeah. I think um, yeah, it's been a big move for them to go to Asia but, but yeah I'm, I'm, my real takeaway from this is that I'm, I'm all for more inter-federation playoffs I realise this means that there's very little chance of being able to go to games yeah. but then again what chance have I got anyway um, Uzbekistan away please yeah just like just like ludicrous ones like let's go again let's go play Chile in a playoff to qualify for something like, that'd be a great bring it on right, worldwide qualifiers that's yeah. what we need a worldwide nations worldwide league. nations league uh, I think that'll do us for today guys um, so thank you very much for tuning in and listening um, as I said earlier the, there's a Patreon of the next 10 in the was it 70 to 61 of the the, the best Scotland players of the last decade um, which we'll, we'll begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel and that light might be a train but we'll find out uh, but yeah thank you, you can subscribe to that at patreon.com slash terrace podcast uh, the guys will be back as we said on Thursday with a lower league show uh, thank you very much Craig for hosting us today and taking us to the Scotland game thank you thank you very much Tom for coming along and sharing your knowledge of uh, Bilio thank <laughs> you thanks very much guys Speak to see you all soon Podcast Network.